I expect him to hear from the Lord. Saints, are you there? <laughs> Our message is today. It's in the bones. It's in the bones, saints. There's something in the bones. You got a title heading on your chapter of 37 of Ezekiel. Excuse me. A valley and a vision of dry bones. It's in the bones. Hold your finger there for a minute as I remind you the last couple messages. I think the last time I was up here, there was something we called maybe like a where is your keys? Shoot, my keys are in my pocket. Where are yours? <laughs> your keys? Your keys are not in my pocket. They are in your pocket. That means you have everything needed to take the gospel to those who need what you have. Come on. Colossians 2, 6 told us this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. There's a key in the kingdom to unlock provision and everything that you need and you already have everything that you need you have been firmly rooted and now being built up in him established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing in thankfulness or gratitude the next message after that was bodybuilders somebody say bodybuilders we found out that real maturity in the kingdom is shown when you not only grow up, but grow out. You know it's okay to be fat in the kingdom. I mean P-H-A-T, fat in the kingdom. Because we're supposed to grow up and grow out. And that's a normal part of what happens when the spirit of the Lord is actually at work. We found this out from the pastors as they so boldly proclaimed who we are. Amen. We learned that every church of the living God is an offensive reckoning that the gates of hell will never prevail over. Colossians 2.9 reminded us of that. For inside of Christ is all the fullness of the deity living in bodily form. And you, yes you, you have been given the fullness of Jesus Christ, who is the head over every power, every authority, and in him you were circumcised. You are circumcised or you were circumcised? You were circumcised in putting off your sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. That means your church can't do it for you. Only Christ can having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in what? My faith is in Jesus. No, 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 no. In your faith in the power of God. Is that where your faith is this morning, saints? I hope so, because I'm going to remind you. Who raised him from the dead. You know your Bible goes on to say if he raised him from the dead, what's that mean about you? There's an old saying where I come from. 
My daddy was a thug, so what you think I'm going to be? Well, my daddy, he raised the dead, so what you think I'm going to do? And then we had the privilege of Elder Eric coming in and laying upon us a prophetic word called secrets. Was that a good word, saints? Pastor Eric said, well, you can hear from God even though you fail. That's good news. Well, that's real good news. He said failure is not final. Faithlessness is not even fatal if you are still standing because you still possess the opportunity to receive the grace to repent. Woo, come on. He brought that word out of Acts 8. And it said you could, you could be an Ethiopian eunuch and when you're born again, you will receive a supernatural ability to re reproduce once more. You see, that's supernatural. Because if you are a eunuch right now, in this life, it's done. You're not going to reproduce physically. But when you're born again, you can receive the supernatural power to reproduce. Amen. But then Pastor Eric dropped a secret on us. Shoo. Before he wrapped up that prophetic word in Acts 8.26, he said that you are not the Ethiopian eunuch. You are not the Ethiopian eunuch who was in need of another to teach him the word or direct him to the water and be immersed into all God is. You're not the eunuch. You're Philip. You are like Philip. Men who have met the living God. Women who possess the word of God. Women, do you possess the word of God? Yes. Men of God, do, have you met the living God? Yes. Then you are like Philip. A people who have been made alive. And this morning we're going to be reminded of that one more time word. Come on. Did y'all catch that last week? That one more time word. Saints, I'm here to tell you this morning. Send the bones. Colossians 2.13 says this. When... You were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive with Christ. When? When you were dead, dry, and done. That's when he made you alive. Saints, what's the biblical definition of being alive? Listen to what he says next. He's going to literally give you the definition better than Webster ever could. He forgave us our sins. Saints, when you believe that and receive that, that's life to your bones. He canceled the written code with his regulations that was standing against us and opposed us. He took them away, nailing them on a cross. Saints, when you believe that and receive that, that becomes life to your bones. Having disarmed every power, having disarmed every authority, making a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by a cross. He defined you what for what you he defined for you what biblical life is. It's being free from accusation. It's being forgiven. It's being full of the life of God because. You're right with God and not opposed to him. Mm. How much of that in that particular passage sounds like something he will do versus something he has done? How much of that, saints? How much of that is what he has done? How much percent? How much? That's 100, saints. 
100% of those things that he has done. Do you believe it? Then it's in the bones. Saints Denton is a place where pastors come to die. I heard that four times over within 12 months of living in this place. <laughs> a graveyard for those who have tried and failed. A resting place for those who have not failed, but well, they just decided to quit before their time was up. Denton County. Saints, we live in times like the prophet Jeremiah, amen? You know about the times of prophet Jeremiah? It was, a ch it was a time when judgment was falling on a nation. And we would be good not to deny that. But throughout history of God's intervention in mankind, every season of judgment came with an opportunity for mercy. Every single one of them. Fact check me. The sin of our nation has brought judgment on us, but the repentance of those who will return to God brings mercy. In a generation that has chosen comfort, concession, and compromise of faith, faith, hope, and love, real faith, hope, and love triumphed over these things. And that's what's inside of you this morning. That's what's hiding in you this morning. Saints, God is looking for men and women that will arise in fearless faith like Abraham and run to do the will of God. Not put your foot in a little water and say, maybe I will, maybe I won't. That's not faith, that's faithlessness. Faith says, I'm going, I'll figure it out on the way. He's looking for men and women that will walk right into the heroin houses of Denton County. He's looking for the ones that will be fearless enough to knock on the door and say, this is not UPS. I'm a Jesus freak, and I came here because I got something you need. You're going to walk into the heroin houses and set the sinner free, amen? He's looking for a people that will begin to pray walk, prayer walk like a Jericho march on the colleges of UNT and TWU. And say, hey, here, what you doing? I'm praying for you. That's what I'm doing. I'm praying till these walls fall. The ones between you and God, that hostility, did you think he is actually aiming towards you? No, he's not aiming towards you. His son said, I broke down the wall. Come, whomsoever will. He's looking for a people that won't think about that, talk about that, think that's just a cool idea, but actually do it. Is that you, saints? Oh, careful when you say yes, because the Lord can hear that. He's looking for a people that will stop talking about the nations that they'll once go to and start reaping the harvest of the nations that's right here in this city. Between the colleges and the jobs, every single nation is represented right here where you're at. And all we do is talk about when we get there. And the Lord says, I put you here. Saints, God is not raising up individual. He's raising up one anointed body. Oh, he's building a body, all right. Hebrews 10, 5 says this, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering I did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Come on. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, well, well, here I am. 
It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Saints, do you know when I can feel the approval of God the most? When I stop praying to Jesus and I start praying like Jesus. So when I stop praying to Jesus and I start praying like Jesus. You feel me here? A body you have prepared for me. A body you have prepared for me. He's prepared this body for him. And you're part of that body. You were prepared for his good work. Here I am to do your will, O oh God. What if you prayed like that? A body you prepared for me. What are we going to do today, Lord? He's like, well, hey, let's walk over there and talk to that sick person that's in need of the medication you have. I don't know, maybe. I'm kind of afraid. Fear and faithfulness don't dwell in the same homes. It's one or the other. Pick one. Here I am, Lord, to deliver your message to the dark, to the dry, to the desperate world. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. And we love to sing that song. Before long, if you sing it too much and not do it, it just becomes like another nursery rhyme to a baby that can't move. Well, what's my message? You don't even have to pray about that. It's written. He forgave us all our sins. I don't know what I'm going to tell him. I promise you, if that's on your heart and in your mouth, the Lord will put who needs to hear that right in front of you and you release it and he does the rest. Done. Simple, right? He's canceled the written code with his regulations that stood against us and opposed to us. Man, is there anybody that needs to hear that? He took it away, nailing it on a cross. He disarmed powers. He had disarmed the authorities. What powers? The ones that's overcoming you. What authorities? The ones that you can't shake. Every deep, dark, demonic thing that's got a hold on you, he disarmed them. I got a homeless shelter right, right in front of my front yard. And you know what's got a hold on them? Hopelessness. You got a message of hope? Oh, well then praise God you got what they need. It's in the bones. <laughs> it's in the bones, saints. Saints, it's time that we stop hoping that this city will see revival and start walking like we know it will. I said walking like we know it will. Because God has prepared a body for himself. And when God builds his body, he builds one that looks like, talks like, breathes like, thinks like, exactly like him. And saints, that's you. Secret, oh, suppose that's you. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There's what? Freedom. There's what? Freedom. It's in the bone, saints. Psalm 139, 7 says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. And we're like, we know that. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If there's nothing left to me but these old bones, you're still there. If I take the wings, if I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote parts of the sea, even there your hand, your hand will lead me. 
and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness is going to overwhelm me and the light around me is, will be like night, even the darkness is not dark to you. What are you afraid of, saints? Even the darkness obeys him. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you for you formed me in my innermost parts you wove me together in my mother's womb i will give thanks to you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made you believe that saints well then you stop freaking out about your ability to get it wrong because you're fearfully and wonderfully made you don't really understand you as much as you think you do but he does for you formed me in my innermost parts you wooed me in my mother's womb I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That's what I think when I look in the mirror. I'm like, Shh, I don't know what you're doing, bro. But I got to tell you, God, wonderful are your works because I'm still trying to figure this out. That thing you already figured out. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. My skeleton wouldn't be hidden from you, much less everything else. When I was made... In secret, the skillfully wrought in depth in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were written the days that I were ordained that were ordained for me. Come on, time clock. He knows when you start and when you go in. What you worried about? Ezekiel 37. In the book of Ezekiel, it's about a remnant of people who find themselves born into captivity. Can you relate? It's about a remnant of people, a remnant of foreigners in a land that's not their own and subject to the consequences of their own sin. Can you relate? And guess where God decides to show up? In the prison of their own making. Guess where he decides, who he decides to show up to? Not just them, but to their sons. That's you, saints. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? You were the product of imperfection, correct? And some of you of many failures. And you know what? That qualifies you for what comes next in Ezekiel 37. The book of Ezekiel is an account of what it looks like, of what happens when God takes hold of a remnant of people and a people have the courage to take hold of him back. Chapters 1 through 37 is a collection of events of a man named Ezekiel getting wrecked in the spirit. I mean, right off the bat, verse 1, come on, boom. And being transformed by its encounters. Every single time he's wrecked by the spirit, he's transformed into the image of Christ. Ezekiel and those who heed his message, they're just like you, church. A people crying out to be used by God. Is that you? A people crying out to be used by God. How many of you are saying, leave me alone, God, right? How many of you are saying, use me, oh God? Come on, use me, oh God. Do you want to be used by God, saints? Yes. Then I want you to remember that you said that 
because you're about to be reminded of the normal, expected Christian experience. But I got a secret for you. It's in the bones. Ezekiel 37.1. And the hand of the Lord was upon me. I got to tell you right now, if you're reading over that and don't think you feel a heaviness from that, I don't, you need to get born again, again. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Saying six times, Ezekiel says this phrase, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And every time it was a call to action and to stir up God's people. Every single time. Some who needed to repent and others who needed revival. The hand of the Lord was upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me, not someone else. Me. And if you're the body of Christ, the hand of the Lord is upon you. I believe we want all the benefits of the kingdom, but none of the difficulties. Did you hear me? I don't know if you're a little bit like me, but we want all the benefits. I will not forget. I will not forget all your benefits. Make me forget all your difficulties. <laughs> Why don't we write songs like that? Because we're not, our songs aren't as honest as we think. I believe we want all the benefits of the kingdom, but none of the difficulties. And I'm here to tell you today, saints, this is an impossibility. The hand of the Lord. In Joshua 4:24, when the hand of the Lord was spoken about, it said it split the Jordan into the promise that the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful. That the hand of the Lord is powerful, but also that you, the ones who are following Yeshua, would fear the Lord always. We'll talk about the fear of God enough, do we? Do you know the most fearful thing for me is thinking about when I'm thinking about walking with God? The most fearful thing I can think is doing things for him, but doing them without him. Doing things for him, but doing it without him. That scares me. That scares me that that could possibly be a reality for me. I don't want that. 22 times in your Bible, the hand of the Lord moved. And you know what? Every single time, every 22 times that it moved in the earth, it moved men to do his will. Every single time. That's called the Holy Ghost, saints. That's why we call it a ghost. We're like, ooh, I don't know what that was. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, amen? I believe some of you have never been moved by the Spirit of God. You you're like, I hope that's not me. I believe some of you have never been authentically moved by the Spirit of God, but you're more like a rowboat in an ocean that you settled for paddling in a religion of self-effort when you could have just simply raised your sail and surrendered to the wind. You get that image for a minute? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Woo, we ain't getting anywhere, but I love you, Lord. Man, it's wild out here. I love you, Lord. Look how good. You proud of me? Son, you sure are working hard. Let's raise your sail. I'll send the wind. Look at 
Look what happens next in Ezekiel. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. He didn't bring me out by my own self-effort. He didn't bring me out by my fantastic obedience. He brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. Come on, he brought me out of my hiding, amen? John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Watch this. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Saints, I believe some of you are afraid of the Holy Spirit because you are more acquainted with religion than you are Jesus. And Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And I believe others of you are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Because you know if you raise your sail, you'll lose control. And he will take you to places you've never gone before. And well, that scares you because you don't trust him. You must be born again. Paul's writings were a little bit complicated at times. Jesus, never. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You must be born of the Spirit, he says. That means it's not optional. Well, there's Spirit-filled Christians and other Christians. <laughs> ah. Saints, you are either born of the work and substance of the Holy Spirit or you are still born in the flesh. There's nothing more free than being born of the Spirit, saints. I said, there's nothing more free than being born of the Spirit. It is scary and it's challenging to my faith. Is that true for you? But it's a little bit of heaven on earth right now. Amen. Hmm. So what you're waiting on, it's time to raise your sails, right? Yeah. Saints, you were dead in your sins, but now you are alive in something called life. Hmm. Look what he says next in Ezekiel. And he set me down. I heard that today. Settle down, saints. Settle down. And he set me down in the middle of a valley. Hmm. I like oceans, beaches, valleys. I don't know. All right. But this one's a little weird. He set me down in the middle of a valley. Saints, when you were born of the Spirit, you were born into a family of God. You are now a family of families that are securely seated sons. Amen? Amen. But he did not seat me for me. He sat me for you. He sat me at his right hand in the middle of your valley. And therefore he seats you next to him in the middle of somebody else's valley. Joel 3 said it like this. 
Verse 1, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down, down to a valley, a valley called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Do you know what the Valley of Jehoshaphat was called? A valley of decision. You ever been there? Verse 9, proclaim this message to the nations, prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshare into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Equip yourself with weapons. It's time to go to war. Let the weakling say, I'm strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations be aroused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all nations on every side. Swing your sickle. For the harvest, <laughs> the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes for the wine press is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. What is their wickedness? Watch this. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. They're in the valley of decision. They're stuck between two opinions. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Saints, what makes the church of God so such a powerful people? What makes you so powerful? You've made your choice. You counted the cost. When you said yes to Jesus, you don't count it every day. You counted it once and found him worthy. Amen. You're not a double-minded people. You're not caught in duplicity. You're not sitting in a valley. You live in the high places with your Lord. But the lost and dying world can't make a decision. They call, that's why we call them lost. Therefore, you have something they don't have. They're trapped in a valley of decision. We can't figure out what gender they are today. We can't figure out what a covenant relationship looks like. We can't define faithfulness. We can't figure out that there's one church, not many. We're in a valley of decision and it's manifesting everywhere. Saints, any man that lives between two opinions is lost. You're in the valley of decision and it's time that you make your choice. James 1, 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding faults. So you failed, God does not find you at fault. And it will be given to him. Saints, we call that a promise. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. He's rowing and getting nowhere because he hadn't tossed his sails. He thinks he can get it done on his own. Blown and tossed by the wind. Man, that's not a good place. That man should not think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. 
He's a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. Listen to me this morning. I'm your pastor and I love you, so I love you enough to tell you directly. There's some of you in here that are double-minded, and so you're living a life out in the open, but you're rowing. You haven't tossed your sails. You haven't lifted it and allowed him because you want to control the narrative. You want what you want. You want to get it when you want to get it. And you don't trust him. You think he doesn't have something better than that for you. So you've settled for that being the best. You don't have the best. He has the best. Every son and daughter of God has raised their sails and are blown by the wind of God. But every person that does not make the one time decision to raise their sails or rowing against the wind and are subject to its elements. But you have been saved from that duplicity, saints, have you not? You've been saved from that duplicity. And that's why the spirit of God leads you into other people's valleys. Because if you can perceive it, this world is full of valleys. And those valleys are not empty. Saints, they're not empty. When a man of God subjects himself to the will of God, he will see things as God sees them. And this is what's happening in Ezekiel 37. What did it begin with? And I was taken away by the spirit of God and he gave me eyes to see how he sees. Come on. In Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel was led to a valley of dry bones. And he's given eyes to see as God sees. Therefore, before that, he could not see, although he loved the Lord, he could not have the right perspective. But the Lord gives him a perspective that is now his. And he says, Ezekiel, I want to show you something. Brace yourself because it's going to take a little bit to receive this. And it says that that valley that he was led in, just like the valley that many men find themselves in, it was it was full of bones. Saints, when I was first born again, I expected all of heaven to invade my life and everything that I knew to be made right. A little bit of utopia on earth, you know what I'm saying? And for three years that happened. You know why? Because the Lord was purging me of all my sinful consequences. He was, he, was, he was doing the Colossians things. He was removing from me the accusation. He was removing from me the sentence that stood against me. And he was teaching me first and foremost the foundation that I am for you, not against you. I am removing from you what you could not remove from yourself. I'm going to give you heaven even though you don't deserve it. But you're going to get it because my son does. And so when I was born again, I, I, I expected that. I think, man, whoo, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. It's going to be heaven on earth and all good. But you know what? Something happened next that no one told me would happen. There was such a love that grew in my soul because of the deliverance that I was experiencing. That it began to override my logic and caused me to cry out for more of God. Yes. Nobody cries out for more of God if they think they have everything. But the truth is that you do have everything. And if you do have everything, for some odd reason, it caused you to cry out for more. That's beyond logic, saints. 
And like Ezekiel, God began to let me see what he sees and feel what he feels. It was almost like the hand of God was on me. And it was almost like the spirit of the Lord began to take me away and place me into a different perspective so that I might see things as they are. And although it was exhilarating and life-giving, it was also difficult because it was removing from me my self-absorbed sight and showing me the reality that I had been saved for a purpose. And that purpose was that he was going to set me right in the middle of dead, dry, hopeless people to revive them by the power of the Holy Ghost. Look around, saints. The truth was shouting at me in the first 12 months I lived here. You came to a place where Pastors coming to die and people come to quit. Well, praise the Lord. I know where I'm going to find them then. I'm going to go to the graveyards. I'm going to prayer walk that thing until the graves bust open. Thank you for the direction. Appreciate that. <laughs> and so he set me in a valley, a valley of very, very dead and dry bones, saints. Saints, Ezekiel's valley is what happens to people who waver between two opinions for too long. They're in the valley of decision and they don't make a decision. I want to live halfway in the kingdom and halfway out. I want to go, as Joe said the other day, I want to go a respectable distance in the eyes of my peer. I want a little bit of the Holy Ghost, but I want to choose when I get it. I want a spirit of moderation, not a spirit of holiness. Send your fire, Lord. Wait, Lord, it's so hard. Take it back. That's how you become dry bones, saints. Mm. Ezekiel's Valley is what happens to people when they waver between two opinions for too long. They die. Oh, they had the right motive, desire, direction, but they did nothing with it. So they died. They became so dry that they died. Oh, they may still be living in the same valley they always have. They may be still going to the same old church they always did. They may be living with the same old spiritually dead friends they always have had. But they are as dead as it gets whether they know it or not. Notice that in this chapter, these bones were not buried. Saints, no one can live in the S-O-N without first being buried. That also would lead to death. Oh, you're not following me on this one. I said no one can live in the S-O-N without first being buried. It's a spiritual violation that will also cause death. In your Bible, being dead but not buried was shameful. 
If you see a valley of dry bones and the bones are not actually buried, then in that culture that brought shame. And I think that's what today's liberal religion teaches. Make your declaration that you are following Jesus outwardly, but never bury your interior duplicity inwardly. I can profess one thing, but never practice it. Saints, that produces internal shame and it's drying you up and before long you'll die. Shame doesn't kill, it tortures. Shame doesn't kill, it tortures those, watch this, who love the Lord. Shame doesn't kill, it tortures those who love the Lord, but also love this world and try to live a life of self-effort somewhere in between two realities. <laughs> Welcome to the Valley of Dry Bones. Did you think it was a destination? Place you want to have a marriage? Place you want to go to vacation? No. You see, Ezekiel had to be brought away by the Spirit because he didn't go on his own. Where's the Spirit leading you? You think he's just going to tickle your ears or he's going to tell you the truth even if it hurts? Saints, I've made my choice. Have you? I said, I've made my choice. And you know what happened? It set me free. I walked right out of my valley. It set me free. You know what that means? That means I'm a man on fire and I don't apologize for it. I'm a little weird for a 45-year-old, but that's okay. Because the hand of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news. To release prisoners from their captivity. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I know my direction. I got my direction from heaven. I know what I'm supposed to do. I've been shaken, sifted, awakened, and brought to my feet. I'm no longer dwelling in darkness. I live in the light. I don't got no secrets you don't need to know. Man, that's freeing. How many of you can say that? You can't have secrets and live in the light, saints. Secrets cause your bones to dry up. And then you die. And although you were brought to a valley of dry bones to resurrect them, you become one of them. You need to get shaken so that you'll get awakened because some of you are so asleep in the night that we got to shake you. Get up! That's what the Lord's saying. Get up! It's time to go to work! Okay. I guess I'm the only fired up one in this place. Saints, I'm single-minded because the Lord has made me so. I'm focused like Flint. Mm. I'm more in love now than I was in the beginning. I'm more in love at 45 than I was at 25. And you know what? I'm going to be on my, more on fire at 85 than I am now at 45. You can hold me to it. Meet me at 85. Let's talk about it. Hey! That makes both, both, both of us faithful. Good challenge, amen? Mm. That means I won't be seduced 
by the dead ways of following Jesus that everybody propagates out there. I won't be seduced by that Jezebel spirit that's always calling me over here as though she has something better than my Jesus does. I won't be fooled by the seductions of this world. You know, those whispers in your ear and those ads that are on your face every day on your pocket or called your phone. Those things. I will not surrender my eternal reward for temporary satisfaction or worldly pleasures. I won't do it. I will not be overwhelmed by the responsibility of being led by God into the graveyard that somebody decided to call Denton, Texas. I call it a perfect place for a revival. Saints, I will be reminded that this is exactly why God and my friends, that's you, you're my friends. I will be reminded exactly why God put me here. Saints, it's in the bones. <laughs> it's in the bones. I got a secret for you. There's something in the bones. Matthew 27, 52 says when Jesus rose from the dead, guess what? He wasn't alone. <laughs> he wasn't alone. He wasn't the only one. In verse 53 and verse 50, it says, and when Jesus had cried out aloud in a loud voice and he gave up the ghost at that moment, at that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who were dead were raised to life. Holy smokes. They came out of their tombs. They didn't stay there, do you? And after Jesus' resurrection, they even went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Man, he rose them and he raised them again. He said, they rose from the dead and they thought, hey, I guess we'll go evangelize. <laughs> Man, we've been just chilling and shields hanging out. And finally he came. He came. There was something in my bones that said he would come and he came. Woo! <laughs> uh, isn't that wild? What would be the first thing that you do if you were raised from the dead? <laughs> Every time Jesus healed someone or raised them from the dead, the first line of action was to go and share their experience with those who hadn't had their experience. Saints, you're carrying something powerful. You've been raised from the dead, given newness of life. You don't, need a, you don't need three points in a poem. You don't have to study for five hours before you go to the streets. Open the grocery store and say, hello, guess what? I got something you don't have and I can tell because I'm raised from the dead and you still hanging out in your tomb. I can see it all over your smile. That's how I know I didn't need a word from him. Is that what happens when you were raised from the dead, saints? Is that the first action for you when you're raised from the dead? Maybe you were raised from the dead 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. But what happened when you were raised again yesterday? Was the first thing that you did went to experience what just happened to you all over again? Man, I was born again 10 years ago. Ooh, that was phenomenal. And guess what? Yesterday, something happened to me and it was... Man, did I get born again again? I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I got to share that with somebody. Yes. Mm. If that's not 
The very first thing that you did when you experienced God or experienced God all over again, then you are still dead or just disobedient. Come on, saints. It's in the bones. Uh, we made it to verse two. And he led me around among them and behold. You get a vision of like, you guys creative and close your eyes and see this valley of dry bones. Many of you have. Behold. You ever been in a valley? It'd be like, behold, behold. And there were very many, and they were on the surface of the valley. They weren't buried, they were on the surface of the valley. And behold, behold, behold. They were very dry. They got no marrow left in the bones. There's no opportunity. There's not a bit of life left in them. They've been dead, dead, twice dead, all over dead. Gone, it's done. It's done, they were very dry. A dog wouldn't even want that bone. They were what, saints? They were very dry. Somebody say very dry. Very dry. Man, I can relate to Ezekiel, can you? Yes. First they looked dry, but after taking inventory, he says that they were very dry. Saints, when I was first born again, I gave every person that I, that I came across the benefit of the doubt that they were good and with God and maybe there's, you know, you're okay and you'll get better, right? You'll get a little closer to God. But, but I realized that that caused me to be complacent and reluctant to share my new life with them. And then I realized that the word of God did not give every man the benefit of the doubt. Romans says that all men, both redeemed and unredeemed, fall short of the glory of God. Say it's the spirit will lead you to the truth even when it hurts. Do you really want the truth? Can you handle the truth? Yes. I believe this is why so many of you have become discouraged over time. Listen to me. Because you love the Lord. I'm not leaving an indictment towards you today. I'm trying to call something out of that. You love the Lord. You love his truth. But you get discouraged sometimes and over time because you do love the Lord and you do love his truth. And because you live in a valley of very dry bones. But every son and daughter of the living God must, somebody say must, must settle the next question without partiality and cure yourself from your interior duplicity. Verse three. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live again? Can these what live again? Can these bones live again? It's in the bone saints. There's something in the bones. Can they saints? Can they live again? Yes. Has your circumstances become bigger than your God? Can they live again? Is your dead, dormant relationships beyond recovery? Can they live again? Yes. Is the dark cloud of hopelessness no longer subject to the wind of the spirit? Has light lost its effectiveness to drive out darkness? 
When Jesus spoke to Martha and he said in John 11, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. He put it to a rest. That's not an event. It's a person and he is it. He put an end to this question. Yes, Martha, you know that he will rise again at the last day. But what about today? What about today? When Jesus spoke to Martha and said in John 11, I am the resurrection, it was finished. Done. Just like the question being asked in Ezekiel. How is it that you believe that he will raise your dead body, but you don't believe that he can raise your dead circumstances? Today, either you're all in or you're not all at all, saints. Which one is it? I'm all in or not at all. You know what all means? All. Either you're going to be overflowing or you're going to remain half full. And your Bible defines that as empty. And I answered, oh, Lord. <clears throat> Only, you know. Ezekiel. Send the bones. Only, you know, Lord. I mean, well, that's the answer to your question, Ezekiel. Open your eyes. It's in the bones. There's something in the bones. Saints, that's like giving a neutral answer because you don't want to get it wrong. You don't have to answer like Ezekiel answered. You don't have to worry like Ezekiel worried. Colossians chapter 2 literally freed you from that. In, ver in chapter 2 verse 9 it says, For inside of Christ's body is the fullness of the deity and bodily formed, and you have been given the fullness of Christ. Verse 11, in him you, you were circumcised, not will be, were, were circumcised. And you are being raised, watch this, through your faith in what? The power of God. The power of God. The power of God. Romans 14, 7 says, for none of us live to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. You say that's complicated, but watch this. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. You're like, okay, that's a little more simple. Verse 9, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be, watch this, the Lord of both the living and the dead. So whether you have a living situation that you need the Lord in, he's the Lord over him. Whether you have a dead, dry situation, he's still the Lord over it. What does that mean? That means you carry the testimony of the risen one. He didn't keep it for himself. He put it in you. And every time you live like those who have been raised from the dead and you call forth those who have yet to arise from their graves just like you into new life, you become just like him. And this, my friends, is the super normal Christian experience. It's time that you raise your expectations today. 
This is what you were saved for. It's what you were saved for. Saints, God loves those who save souls. Mouthful. God loves those who save souls. Don't spend the rest of your life trying to save your own soul. Save others. Be the hand of salvation. The hand of the Lord is upon you that you might be the hand of the Lord upon somebody else. Hey, come on. He loves those who look at very dry bones and sees a perfect place for their father to show off. Will these bones live again? If, he says, if, if you will speak his word over them. Verse four, and he said to me, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the what? Prophesy to the flesh. Prophesy to the bones. And say to them, oh, dry bones, oh, dry bones, oh, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear it. Shemai it. Listen to it with the expectation of carrying out. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear what? The what of the Lord? The what of the Lord? The word of the Lord. It's in the bones. Where is it? It's in the bones. What is it? It's the word of God. It's in the bones. If psychiatry would have worked, it would have done so by now, saints. It's not in your medication. It's in the bones. If philosophy would have worked, it would have worked by now. It's not in your education. It's in the bones. If systematic religion had resurrection power, it would have worked from now. It's not under the steeple with all the people saints. It's in the bones. Those things are deadly, vain pursuits. Listen to me this morning. The only thing that brings men out from their graves is the word of God empowered by the spirit of God flowing through men of God who believe in the power of God. Verse five, thus says the Lord to these bones. I thought it was Ezekiel speaking. Oh, it is. Just like he speaks through you. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, 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 I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. You know what we call that? A promise. And the Lord doesn't negate on one of them. Never has, never will. He's the promise keeper. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. There's something, <laughs> there's nothing more powerful than one man or one woman that realizes the ammunition that's been given to them, saints. There's nothing more freeing to know that you do not have to have all the answers. You just have to tap into his word that has already been invested to you and release it on every hopeless situation and release it on every dormant situation and let him do the rest. Galatians 2.20 said, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer do I live. But Christ, oh yeah, he lives in me. <laughs> he doesn't just live over there. He lives in me. He only just live in the heavens. He lives in this tent. The life I live in this body, I live by the faith in the power of God. 
Do you live with your faith placed firmly in his power to do what you think is dead and dormant? He loved me and he gave himself up for me that he might win my heart, that we might follow him and he'll show you that this is true. Saints, this is where we usually stop in our individualistic American gospel. But you need to learn what comes next. Verse 6. And I will lay sinew upon sinew, and I'll, call I'll cause flesh to come upon flesh, and I'll cover you with skin. And I'll put breath in you, and I'm going <laughs> to live in you. <laughs> I'm going to cause you to live, and you shall know that I'm the Lord. He didn't even ask permission. So I'm going to do it. Why? Because you dead dry bones and so you qualify and that's where I get to work at. Mm. Mm. Saints, I believe we're living in an end time generation that is hungry for what Ezekiel is envisioning here. In a time when Israel is being restored as a nation right before our eyes, I believe a generation is also rising. A prophetic people with a corporate anointing. The new Jesus people. Come on. A new Jesus revolution. A new nameless, faceless tribe. That's you. Did you think it was somebody else? That's you. Some of you need to grow some beards and some hair so we can figure it out. But that's you. Ladies, don't grow no beard. <laughs> what Ezekiel is seeing is not just a restoration of a nation, but also a revival of something called one body, the body of Christ. A body... You prepared for me, O oh Lord. A body he's a, he has prepared for us, O oh Remnant Church. Look at what he said. Bones and sinews and flesh and skin and breath and life. What do we call that? We call that a body. Saints, when he says a body, it indicates being called together in close unity. When he talks about sinews or ligaments, he's talking about things that hold things together. They hold together those bones so that they won't scatter again. When he talks about flesh, he's talking about something that brings strength to an otherwise weak frame of a body. When he talks about skin, he's talking about something that gives covering to that which may be strong but vulnerable. When he talks about breath, he's talking about a body of people who may be well built strategically put together but if you can't breathe you can't move the first step to what comes next life is to breathe and without it you're just potential hmm when he talks about life, he's saying life is the goal. It's the goal. Jesus came and did what was necessary to put you in position for eternal life. And what did John 17, 3 define eternal life as? To know him. What did Ezekiel just say? The last thing he said was so that you might know the Lord that you might intimately experience him and have that to give someone else. Saints, God is building a body of people who love <laughs> to do his will. And if you don't believe me, read verse seven. So I prophesied 
as I was commanded. You see, we love Jesus to give us suggestions and then we mull over it and pray about it as though that isn't disobedience. But he's the commander, the Lord of hosts. He gives you commands and you say, yes, sir, because you trust him. And you say, yes, sir, when you don't even trust him, because you know if you say, yes, sir, then you'll learn to trust him along the way. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. Look at that. Isn't that the entire goal of being filled with the Holy Ghost? Isn't that the entire goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not to just be able to speak in tongues and prophesy, see dreams and lay hands on the on the sick and see them healed saints. The whole goal of being full of the Holy Ghost is that you might become obedient to his will and actually love it. That would be wild. The whole goal is to get you to trust him enough to be obedient to his word so that you can see what will happen if you have the courage to do so. One man, one movement with one message to the deadest, most hopeless situation he had ever seen. This was his message. Live. <laughs> Live. Oh, you homeless? Live. You think you need a roof. You don't need a roof. You need him. That's the only covering you need. Are you an alcoholic? Oh, you need him. Heroin? Done. You need him. Cancer? Gone in the name of Jesus. You need him. It's not complicated. You are saints. When you put God's word into practice, it will do what it does. Bring dead things to life. I told you I had a secret this morning. I told you I had a secret. It's in the bones. Saints, it's always been in the bones. God knew something that Ezekiel didn't and he was about to share his secrets with Ezekiel. Maybe because Ezekiel shared his secrets with him. And as I prophesied, what? As I prayed about prophesying, as I thought about what a cool idea would be to prophesy, or as I did prophesy. As I prophesied, there was a sound. Come on, saints. There was a sound. And behold, a rattling. The bones start to rattle. Could you envision a valley? It just starts to rattle. And you're like, I think my prophecy's working. I said something, and God said something would happen. And I'm like, man, I better prophesy again. I'm a I'm a blow on this thing, right? I'm a fan in the flame, the gift of God. I'm going to fan in the flame the things that he asked me to do. I'm going to do his will, do his command. And all of a sudden that rattling might become something else. And guess what? Bones came together. Bone to bone. <laughs> Saints, the promise is not changed, but it is reserved for those who will walk in it and believe it. Deuteronomy 20 says it like this, when you go, not if you go, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt will be with you. Man, that's enough alone. I can eat that word and nourish my body for five years. But listen to what Matthew 10, 7 says. I'm going to give you a little more. As you go, when you go, Deuteronomy 5, 10, <clears throat> Matthew 5, 10. Nope, Matthew 10, 7. As you go, as you go, preach. <laughs> 
You think that happened right here? As you go, preach, I'm giving you a sermon today, hello. But when I leave this place and I find somebody at lunch, I'm going to preach to them. Because my Lord told me to. And you should as well. I'm not a preacher, we a preacher. Come on. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You've been waiting for direction from heaven? Have you been praying for it? You don't have to pray any longer. Answer, done, go do that. As you go, listen to what happened in Mark 16, 16. And these signs shall follow those who believe. Not those who doubt. Those who believe. Do you believe today, saints? Saints, God is looking for a people that will simply take him at his word. God is looking for someone who, <clears throat> who serves the God that calls things that are not as though they are. Is that who you serve? Is that who you serve? God is looking for someone who will remember that God creates ex nihilo out of nothing. Somebody needs to be reminded today in your home, in your relationships, in, in your city, wherever you go, in your thoughts, in your heart, and everything that you feel that God doesn't need something to work with. He, only, he doesn't need something to work with. He can create out of nothing. So when you got dry bones, you got something. Verse 8, and I looked and behold, there were also something else, sinews upon sinews and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. What just happened? God said it and then he did it. Imagine that. God said it and then he did it. It's a matter of time. If God said it, he's going to do it. It's just a matter of time. And somewhere in between, time is the rate of decay. So you don't want to decay with it. You want to wait on God, worship in the waiting. And when it's done, you say, whew, praise God. That took a minute, Lord, but whatever. Saints, no matter how crazy you think God's word is, if he said it, he will do it. He will do it and he will do it through you, through your body. Because that is his great desire because he created a body for himself that the will of God might be done through. He's not doing his will through the angels of God on earth. He's doing his will through the people of God on the earth. We are called the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body, and we're getting it done, amen? There's so many families in this city. There's so many churches in this city. Some of them are dry bones and others are not. There's so many families in this city as well and some of those are dry bones and others are not. But God is doing a work in this city, saints. And he's looking for those who will believe in a God who still raises the dead. Now, come on, still raises the dead. Still raises the dead. Saints, when you take to the streets and into the businesses and into the homes of others, the life that you have been given, you're going to have to take a dead raising mentality. I said you're going to have to take a dead raising mentality with you because you live in a valley of very dry bones. When you take your undivided devotion into the city square, you must take a dead raising attitude with you because you live in a valley of very dry bones. When you take your single 
mindedness into the colleges, you are going to have to take your belief in raising the dead with you. Or you're going to tuck tail and run at the first sight of dry bones. When you open your eyes and realize that because you love Jesus, his spirit has led you into the world that lives in the valley of decision. And you must not back up, but you must rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost and speak truth. If God said it, it's just a matter of time, saints. There'll be a rattling of bones. Yeah. We can hear the rattling right now. We're like, I hear a little rattling. Ooh, that gets me excited. Ooh, it's been a minute, Lord. This church, man, it started right out the upper room where rattling went, right? We became a whole body. Now he's calling the whole body instead of one family. You hear the rattling of the bones? What you gonna do about it? Prophesy. What you gonna do about it? Prophesy. What are you gonna do about it? Speak the word of God, right? You're going to hear that rattling. And then you're going to see bone on bone, sinew upon sinew. Flesh begin to cover them. Skin begin to cover that. And you know what? That's amazing. And many religious institutions have accomplished that. But what comes next can only be done by God. But there was no breath in them. Hmm. In Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep, but something else was needed before light penetrated darkness. In Genesis, the breath of God, the Neshumakah, right, was, born, was breathed violently into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living nephish. But before that, something else was present that was necessary for new life. In Ezekiel 37, 1, if I, I want to remind you, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of dry bones and he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the valley and they were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live again? And I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you know. Then he said to me this, prophesy to the bones and say to the dry bones, hear what? Hear the word of the Lord. Now you are thinking the words coming out of Ezekiel's mouth, but I want to challenge you that the word of God was already in those bones. Genesis 2.23 says this. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Saints, it's in the bones. What was in the bones? What happened before this statement? God said to the man, I will. He had a promise. I will make a helper suitable for you. That's a promise. That's God's word. And it was present before the breath was breathed into him. And so where the word was and where the spirit was, boom, create new life. <clears throat> so why is it that you can look at your dead dormant marriage and believe God not believe God to raise it from the dead come on saints 
Because even if it is void of the spirit, it is not void of the promise of God's word that he blessed it with when you two became one. <laughs> this is what Adam is saying. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You touch my promise, it's now yours. Mm. Somebody say, don't mess with me, pastor. That gives me hope and I've been hopeless for a long time. I, rem I just love to stay there because to be hopeful, it hurts a little bit. Well, dead men don't feel anything, but the living do. If his promise is in your bones, it's in mine as well. If, my, if his promise is in my bones, it's in yours as well. That's what Paul can say. Man, and even your whole family is going to get saved. Adam believed that the word of God that was spoken in his life was the very life of his life. It was the life of his life. It was the bone of his bone. And what was promised to him was just as promised to his spouse. Audacious, right? Yeah, we need to get some. Oh, pastor, that's dead. That's gone. That's over with. Prophesied to the bones. It's in the bones. You don't have the breath, but you got that word of God. Genesis 50, 25, and Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you got to carry my bones out of Egypt. You got to carry it out of this place. You got to carry it out of this current place that is not my home. What? What's in the bones? What's in the bones? Everywhere you set your foot, Abraham, will belong to you and your ancestors. I will do it. Joseph knew that he was the ancestor. Joseph understood. He understood the promise that was given. He understood what God said was for him too. What compels a man to have his sons promise to dig out his bones and carry them out of Egypt? A man who knows that there is still something powerful in them old bones. <laughs> oh, you can kill my body, but you can never make or take my God's promise away. You can kill this flesh and there could be nothing left of me but these old dry bones. But inside these dry bones is the promise of my God. Look at your children and say, my promise is in your bones. Yeah. God promised something to your ancestors that has not come true yet, but you are sitting here because you are that which was supposed to become true. Joseph understood there was something in the bones. Second Kings 13, 21, once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. And so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And when the body touched Elisha's bones, when it touched Elisha's bones, when it touched Elisha's bone, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. What? Come on, somebody. You can even be dry bones and somebody touch you. And because the promise of God is inside your bones, they'll live. It is in the bone. What is it that is different 
about the people of God than all the rest. It's that the day that you became a son and daughter of the living God, you became a host of his word. His promise was infused in your very bones. And even when your life has come to a place that seems dead, even when your life has come to a place that seems hopeless, even when your life has come to a place that seems very, very dry, even when your life seems to be dead and over you carry the promise of God that apparently seeps down beyond the very marrow of your bones. Listen to me, saints. Some of you need to stop overthinking things and just get outside and touch somebody. You're too analytical for your own good. Get outside and lay hands on somebody. Get outside and go be a blessing to somebody. Get outside. Hey, that's the first step. Get outside these walls. Get into the streets. Get into the grocery stores. Get into somebody's business and touch somebody. Touch your coworkers and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with that word of God that's in you, even though you don't believe it. Touch your family members and say, yeah, you're spitting venom at me. Maybe I'll sneak in and get a little hand on you. I'm going to touch somebody. Ha! Oh. Lay hands on somebody. Bring them to life. Then run away and say, my bad. My bad, whatever. Hate me now, love me later. Because you got... You got the word of God in your bones. And even if your life isn't where you want it to be yet, you still got resurrection life down inside you. Come on. Verse nine, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me in the breath. Guess what it did? It did what he said it was going to do. It came into them. And they lived and they stood again. And they stood on their own two feet. Man, you know somebody needs to stand on their own two feet? And he didn't leave them there. He made them an exceedingly great army. You know what we call that in the kingdom? Family. What do you see, Ezekiel? I see dry bones. God says, <laughs> I see an army. What do you see, Ezekiel? I see very dry bones, Lord. God says, I see an army. I see an army. I see an army that's hidden inside their bones. My very word and where my word is and my spirit is Boom, they come together. I got an opportunity to create new life. I'm going to raise me up a little something to do some destruction to the gates of hell right here in this community. Oh, I didn't take them from the pretty people and everybody that's got it all buttoned up in the well. I'm going to take them from the valley of dry bones, from a place of indecision and give them a mind of Christ and a target in the kingdom, a purpose, a plan. And a man they can serve called Jesus. Come on. If my word has touched their lives at any point in their lives, no matter how dead they are, I have hidden my word in a place that they cannot even screw up. What? Open your eyes, Ezekiel. It's in the bones. 
Eternity may be in the hearts of men, but Genesis 1 says before they could even breathe, I put my word in their bones. Oh, you thought I was talking about the saved and the Christians. No, I'm talking about all of humanity has got his word hidden in their bones. <laughs> that means you can stop breathing, but even in Sheol, I am there. You know what it takes? Now, all it takes is for you not to remain disobedient or silent. I started this message by telling you we lived in the times of Jeremiah where judgment has fallen on our nations and we would do well not to say it's not. But for every time of judgment comes a time of mercy and mercy is carried by those who have been saved by the merciful. That's you. And Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 27. Oh, Lord, I'm in a valley of dry bones. This generation, nobody serves you. They're spitting on me, pulling out my beard, imprisoning me. They want to kill me. You keep telling me to say to them and go to them, but they are hard-headed people. It's almost like I'm in a valley of dry bones and you sent me there. And oh Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Wherever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. I'm telling the truth of what's really happening and they're not trying to hear it. They just want me to tickle their ears. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and has brought me reproach all day long. But here is what I have found, O Lord. Here is what's true to me. If I say I will not mention him nor speak his word anymore in his name, his word, his word, his word, his word is like a fire. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in no more. I cannot, I cannot hold it in any longer. It's like, Lord, you put something hidden in my bones and if I don't let it out, I'm going to self-combust. But either way, whether they destroy me or you flip me inside out, I can't remain the same. It's in the bones. It's always been in the bones, saints. If his word remains in your bones and you don't let it out, it's going to burn you from the inside out. When you go out into a dry valley and a dying world, their message is not going to be your message. They are going to see something different than you see. Ezekiel loved the Lord, but he had to be taken away by the Holy Spirit and given new eyes to see what God sees. Listen to what they say in verse 11. Listen to their message so that you might expect what is to come. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost we are indeed cut off. We once knew the Lord, but we don't no longer. We're far away. He can't do it. He doesn't want to. It's over. We did this to ourselves. We are too far from God. Huh, come on, Deuteronomy. The word of God is near thee. 
Verse 12, therefore, this is what I want you to say to that message. You say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open up your graves and raise you from your own graves. Oh, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. I'm going to do for you what you could not do to yourself. You made another failure out of it, but you need to know me. They're not all wrong, but it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. I said it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Verse 13, and you shall know that I am the Lord when, somebody say when, when I open your graves and raise you from those graves. Oh, my people. And I will put my spirit in you and you shall live again and I will place you even in your own land. Then and only then, then and only then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. Watch this. I will do it. <laughs> I will do it. You need to remember that when you're in a valley of decision or in a place of your own making, your Lord is bigger than your own failures. I will do it, says the Lord, so that when I take you out of the grave of your own making, you'll return to me and say, I love you, Lord. You're merciful, you're graceful. And in that, a power arises in you and you say, how can I hold on to such a good experience? How can I hold on to such a miracle? I cannot. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. Ezekiel, there's life in those bones. There's life in those bones. And apparently you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost in order to see it. Tell them. Run and tell them, prophesy to the bones, hey, there's still potential in you. There is still something in you. Get up, get up out the grave. Look what he's done for me. He'll do it for you too. He's looking not just to raise a man. He wants to raise an army. He's not just looking to raise an army. He wants to raise a family. He not just want to raise a family. He wants to raise the glory of God right here, right now in this city. Come on. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm, about to, I'm about to turn this down. Well, hopefully you got turned up. Colossians 2.13 And when you were dead, as dead as some very dry bones in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. You see, now you've been taught your whole life that that was something that happened to you a long time ago, and that's true. But I got to tell you, if you want to serve sin instead of serve the Savior today, you can be right there right now. And then therefore, that good news is still for you today. When you were dead, dry, in your own sin. Maybe you don't know that you are in your own sin, but if you are dry, you are. Because the only thing that makes you dry is sin. Right. Right. 
So if you're getting dry, you're headed towards sin and not towards a savior. So you need to turn around and he'll begin to water you. Come on. When you were dead, very dry in your own sin and on the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God delivered his promise. He made you alive. He forgave you all your sins. Uh, somebody say that's good. <laughs> Having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against you and stood against and opposed to you, he took them away, nailing them on a cross. Say that's really good. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle go over them, triumphing over them by a cross. Somebody say, that's my God. That's my God. Woo, come on. This might be my last passage. Habakkuk 2.2. Then the Lord answered me and he said, record this vision. And inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it might run with it. The one who actually thinks it's valuable enough to retain it might not just walk, but might be able to run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Saints, what he is speaking about is no longer something you got to wait on. It's what you're living in. Behold, as for the proud ones, the soul is not right within them. They have interior duplicity. This is the message that you're to run with. If you are proud, you have interior duplicity. You are not single-minded nor focused. You're halfway in and halfway out, which is all the way out in your Bible. To be all the way in is to be single-minded, to say, I belong to God. I've been taken out of dry bones. I've been put back into the valley of dry bones. And I love it there because I believe in raising the dead just like he did me. But the righteous, ha! The righteous, have you been made righteous, saints? The righteous, you and me, we will live by his faith. His faith in what? In the power of what God can do. In the power of what God will do. In the power of God, what God wants to do. Do you know that he desires to take you out of every dead and dormant situation so that he might get glory? Do you know that? Do you know that he wants to put you right back in somebody else's valley and you to prophesy and testify and declare over those dry bones that it's not just for me, but it's for you too. And in case you didn't believe it, I showed up so you can touch it. Let me end by making this message clear, as clear as Habakkuk had made it so that you can run with it because Jesus is nearer now than when he first began. Many men live and die in a valley of decision. But the righteous live by every death-defying, daring step of faith they take because they believe and their faith is placed in the power of God. Ask yourself now, what is he not capable, able, or 
desiring to do. Here's the message for you this morning, Remnant. You are those people. You are those people that God is raising in an Ezekiel 37 generation. We are part of God's end time army and we're going to live like it. We're going to think like it. We're going to believe like it. Amen. We are not those who play defense. We are those who are on the offense because our God is on the offense. We are not waiting for the move of God because God never ceases to move. Therefore, we are those who make the first step and the second step and the third step because where his body is, therefore the move of God is. You know what that means? Depression has to go back to hell where it came from. That means oppression has to go back to the gates of Hades where it came from. That means confession of sin might be something that is now but will be no longer because you got none to actually confess any longer. That means the digression from faith has to go back to hell where it came from. That means demons and manipulation and lack of participation and cancer will go in the name of Jesus. Saints, there is a revival at hand in this land and you are those who are called to steward it. You thought it was somebody else. Why not you? Why not now? When God breathes, come on, you receive, amen? I said when God breathes, you receive. And when you receive, they perceive new hope. When you see dry bones, you see an opportunity for God's army. God has hidden his promise in the dry bones of this city. And when you prophesy to them, when you get out of your homes and go into the valleys and bring them the breath that God has so graciously placed and infused into your soul, the word of the spirit will come together and do what it always does. It will resurrect new life. So here's my word for you this morning. Breathe on the slain so they may live. Breathe on the slain so they may live because there is life in the bones. Stand with me. And in case I didn't say it, I'm going to say it one more time, saints. It's in the bones. Can you see it? It's in the bones. So when you walk out of here today and you walk into your own homes with their own difficulties, dead dormant situations, or in your own dead dormant thoughts, or the things that you think that cannot be because of whatever, or you walk on these streets, or you have those old friends, and you just think it's dead dormant and over with. Ezekiel, it's in their bones. The word of God is hiding in every man's bones. How do I know that to be true? He created them. 